Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for VCU basketball. The best damn sports talk here in town. Of course, I cover VCU a ton on this show now that it's October. And then once we get rolling into November, we'll talk VCU every single day on these airwaves. You can call in 833-804-0910. I want to give a big shout out to all of Ram Nation for checking out our podcast, the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Episode 18, the final episode of season one, is over 400 downloads. And last night we just debuted season two, episode one, talking about the Black and Gold game, going through some A-10 predictions, and of course talking about the impact that Ryan Odom will make here in Richmond. It's also secret scrimmage season. So we broke that down on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and Odyssey. Just search Black Gold Fan Pod, and you can check it out. It's me alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. We're all diehard VCU fans. A few of us were season ticket holders going back to their childhood. So uh, really informed on all things VCU basketball, and it's a ton of fun doing this podcast every single week. And speaking of VCU, it's time to go inside the Ramhorns. It's time for Inside the Ramhorns. Every Thursday at 2 p.m., AWOD will be joined by a coach, player, or member of the front office for VCU basketball. Inside the Ramhorns. An inside look at the VCU Ram basketball team with Adam Epstein. Thursdays at 2 p.m. on AWOD Radio. And this week, our interview on Inside the Ram Horns is Zach Joaquin, VCU beat writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. What's going on, Zach? Hey, Wad, what's up, man? It's good to hear from you. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on. I'm sorry I'm not a, a coach player or a member of the front office, though. <laughs> this, is, this is down a step interview-wise for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're as insightful as anybody uh, in the building with VCU, and you've done a great job taking over the beat for Wayne Epps. I'm looking forward to reading all of your game recaps this season. So, A-10 Media Day in Brooklyn. Uh, the guys were on the Field of 68 podcast. They spoke at the press conference, Ryan Odom and Zeb Jackson. I mean, did you have any takeaways from A-10 Media Day? I thought it was kind of poignant that Zeb was the player with Ryan, right? Um, he's obviously stepped into a prominent leadership role here. Um, as I believe the, the leader in terms of points scored uh, and minutes played, last year who's returning to this roster um and we all saw over the offseason you know that he was kind of at the center of the cultural continuity here um for for vcu and so i thought it meant something that that he was the player that was there taking questions with ryan he was asked about his leadership role he's one of three captains this year uh along with max shulga and sean bear so um and so that stood out to me that zeb has really stepped up um in terms of his role for this program off the court um, and then Ryan was asked about, you know, BCU culture and, and continuity over the years and kind of mixing his playing style with what already existed at BCU. Um, and, and we've touched on this over the offseason. You know, he talked about being kind of blown away by the former BCU players who spent so much time with the Basketball Development Center over the summer. Um, and I know that he spoke with David Teal, my colleague, um, about this over the summer as well, about how important it is for him to continue 
the VCU basketball culture that was very much in place before he got here. And of course, he's going to put his own spin on things. There's been a lot, you know, of talk about his offensive playing style and getting up more threes and playing fast and, and, and ball movement and spacing and all of these things. But I think that one of his priority orders of business was continuing the cultural fabric in the basketball community that already exists at VCU. And that's so strong. And that's the reason that you see those guys coming back in the off season. So that's what stood out to me was, was Ryan talking about that and how important that has been for him and taking over this program. Um, in addition to Zeb stepping into that really prominent leadership role that I think we'll continue to see him play throughout the season. Zach, last Saturday, we got our first look of some live action in the black and gold game. A few of my friends said they should have called it the black and white game because uh, they were wearing yeah. white jerseys instead of gold. But uh, my, I think some of my biggest takeaways, I thought Joe Bamisil was dominant. I was really impressed with the three-point shooting from Sholga and from Jason Nelson. And it was an interesting battle down low between Roosevelt Wheeler and Christian Furman. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from the black and gold game? Well, the colors kind of annoyed me a little bit as well. I know they're the jerseys that they wore in Greece, but I, the women's scrimmage was right before, and they did wear black and gold. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I was having to mix up my terminology in the story. I didn't know whether to call them the gold team or the white team. <laughs> so if we could fix that moving forward, that'd be great. No, but it was, it was really fun, man. It was great to be back in the stew. It was cool to see the video boards with the stats displayed throughout. That was a, a little thing that I noticed and really enjoyed, which are obviously new this season. Um, Kuwani really stood out to me, yeah. um, really being, you know, first game action for him um, and how he's going to operate in Ryan's system. My goodness, he moves like a guard um, and spent a lot of time out at the perimeter. I think if, if anything, if there was a critique of him that, you know, I heard coaches asking him to maybe get into the paint and crash the glass a little more, um, but because he doesn't look like, uh, you know, he looks like he moves like a guard out there and, and is very much going to be a versatile four that's going to operate on the perimeter for this team and get a lot of shots up. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. The shooting stroke looks good. As you saw, as you said, Jason Nelson um, was really good on the catch and shoot. Um, fun to see him get a little bit more freedom maybe in, in Ryan's system. I know that that was part of the reason that he came to BCU and wanted to play for Ryan was with offensive freedom. Um, and fluidity in that system uh, with the spacing and, and getting open shots up. Uh, the battle down low was fun um, between Rose and Firm. Um, I think two guys that are going to be asked to, to do a lot of the dirty work in the paint this year, right? Rebound, block shots, um, and, and they very much did that. And they kind of canceled each other out a little bit, and Ryan talked about that, that they're going head-to-head all the time in practice. It, was, it sucked that we didn't get a chance to see Toby. Um, I know everyone was really excited for that. He's dealing with a concussion right now. Um, from what VCU Athletics said, took an elbow during practice and, and had to get stitches above his eye. So he's in concussion protocols, but all indications are that he's going to be good to go for the beginning of the season um, when they tip things off against McNeese State on November 6th. And so everyone's still looking forward to seeing Toby and much has been made of his offseason development. Um, and then Max and Sean as well, um, you know, that the confidence that they have in Ryan's system and the familiarity with playing the brand of basketball that he wants to play, um, both, as we said, captains and, and really stood out. And I thought played well in the black and gold game. I wanted to see what Sean's positional versatility was like, as yeah. much has been made of that. He's been listed as a, a guard, listed as a forward. He's really a, a huge guard who it seems, you know, in a smaller lineup could play the four, but he operated on the perimeter as well, right? 57% from three. Um, for the black team, 40% for the white team. And so that's awesome. I'd imagine that Ryan was really happy with that. 
coming away, and I thought we saw the aesthetically pleasing, you know, brand of offensive basketball that we all expected, and, and that was fun to watch, and the black team started off hot, um, and then the white team made it a close one at the end, and we got an exciting finish down the stretch. Zach, we gave out our predictions for our starting five on the podcast last night, Black and Gold Fan Pod. This is Inside the Ram Horns with Zach Joachim. He's the Richmond Times-Dispatch VCU reporter. Follow him on social media, Zach Joachim. Read his work, richmond.com. I'm wondering, what's your prediction? What does your starting five look like for the Rams? Zeb, Max, Sean, Kalani, and Toby. Yeah. Um, is my expectation. Um, obviously, if Joe is eligible, then that changes things up a great deal. As you said, he looks great. Um, was probably the most aggressive offensive player on the floor. Um, the guy who was looking to get the ball in his hands and attack and score. Um, and so that was a little bittersweet, right, because the expectation is that he's not going to be there. Although, I know we talked to Ryan after the game, and, and it seems that he's holding out some hope that Joe's appeal could be successful. Um, I don't know if that door is closed, but it seems like people in and around the program are still have some hope that he could play this year. That would be a great addition. But without him, I, I think those four, um, based on everything that we've heard and haven't seen yet, but everything that we've heard about Toby's development over the offseason, I think he's going to be the starting five. Again, I really liked what I saw from Kwani um, and his versatility and ability to space the floor. Um, really strong shooter at, at, at his length. Um, and then I think those three captains – that tells you a lot about what Ryan thinks about those guys placed in his program. I don't see either Zeb, Max, or Sean coming off the bench unless maybe Joe is eligible. Um, and then Ryan might have to make a call about what, you know, the, the size he wants and the, and the complexion of the starting five wants to be if he wants to try and fit Joe in there and sit one of those guys. But right now that would be my expectation um, with Zeb and Max in the backcourt. Sean is kind of a versatile three. Kawani has a really versatile four that's going to operate on the perimeter. And then Toby has your five. And, and Zach, we haven't talked much about the international product, Michael Bell. I think he's ready to play at the A-10 level uh, right now uh, with his rebounding and his defense. I think his offensive game will come along. And even though he hit 50% from three, it just it didn't look like that smooth of a jump shot right now. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be working on that a ton throughout the season. But defensively and rebounding, my goodness, this guy can really play at this level. Yeah, only took the two threes, right? So not a very big sample size there. But five rebounds, seven points tied for the lead um, in steals with three. He had three, Joe had three, and Kalani had three. So those guys were all really active defensively. Uh, Michael Bell is super ambidextrous. That was the thing about his skill set that stood out to me that we heard about a lot in the offseason, that he can drive with the left, finish with the left really comfortably, and that he doesn't really display a dominant hand one side or the other. And I really saw that. And it seems like he'd be a tough guy to match up with and guard um, had a really pretty spin move and finished with the left kind of in the post um, uh, getting down into the paint and doing some scoring down there. So really versatile offensive skill set. Absolutely. He looks, uh, he looks poised beyond his years. Um, he did not look like a freshman. He looks like a guy who's ready to, to come on and contribute um, on both sides of the ball right off the bat. We've got a caller. Let's go to line one, Patrick in Richmond, Patrick, you're on the fan with AWOD. AWOD, what's up my man? How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm just I'm hyped to talk in VCU basketball. Uh, I was at the black and gold game, and uh, I, was, I had a I had a proposition for you. Okay. <laughs> if if uh, Ryan Odom's son Connor Odom hits a three first game against uh, I think it's McNeese State. Okay. Big yards on me. Let's go. 
I'm hype, A-Rod. I'm hype for the year. Hey, good call, Patrick. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll let Zach answer that, man. What do you What do you think? Are we going to see Connor Odom this season? I hope so, man. I think so. You know, uh, three minutes and, and, and 19 seconds of playing time in the black and gold game, right? They've got the Mars Hill exhibition coming up here. Um, but, I mean, if Joe's not eligible, then this rotation is a little shorter mm-hmm. uh, than I think Ryan might have planned for in the offseason, right, with Jacob Patrick leaving the program as well. And so, yeah, I could, I could certainly see Connor getting some playing time, man. Um, from what I saw in, in warm-ups and a little bit throughout the game, he can certainly shoot it. Um, and so I would not be surprised at all if he contributes off the bench for this team. Zach, great stuff, man. I appreciate you chiming in. Hey, well, I do the best. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Yep. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. If you enjoyed that VCU basketball conversation and you want more, Ram Nation, you want more, we hear you. We've got the Black and Gold Fan Pod, new episodes every week, available iTunes, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. All right, so every single week on AWOD Radio, you know, a lot of shows around the country, they're all talking NFL all the time. And, and we're going to do a ton of NFL coverage, but I like to do a little bit different NFL coverage. Most shows, they focus on the quarterback. They're going to focus on the wide receivers, the running backs, the touchdown leaders. On AWOD Radio, we talk about the sack leaders, the pass rushers, Guys that get after the quarterback, all-out blitz every week on AWOD Radio. We'll tell you who the best pass rushers are in the National Football League here on All Out Blitz. This is the All Out Blitz on AWOD Radio. Throughout the NFL season, we track the sack leaders, the game changers, the unstoppable. Who will be the NFL's best pass rusher this season? Find out on the All Out Blitz. All right, so the top pass rusher in the National Football League right now in terms of sacks is Daniil Hunter for the Minnesota Vikings. Although the Vikings have not been good this season, he has been able to attack quarterbacks eight sacks. He also has 32 tackles including t- 11 tackles for losses. Number two, and he's at the top of the, most people's charts here in terms of pass rushers, that's T.J. Watt. When he's not sacking the quarterback, he's picking up fumbles. He's got three fumbles recovered. He's forced two fumbles on the season, tied for first in the NFL with eight sacks, including seven tackles for losses. Third place, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack has seven sacks. He got Five of those in one game. He has six tackles for losses, but also two forced fumbles to help out that lousy Chargers defense. Uh, Also with seven sacks, Trey Hendrickson, been really good for the Cincinnati Bengals. Helped them, you know, come back to life a little bit. Joe Burrow was hurt and the offense was struggling. Well, the defense took care of a lot of teams there. And uh, Cincinnati's coming off of a, a really decent win against the Seattle Seahawks. And Wentz Hendrickson had a sack and a half, so he's got seven on the year. Josh Allen, also tied for third. Not Josh Allen, the quarterback. Josh Allen, the pass rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Seven sacks on the season, 21 tackles uh, total, including six for loss. Leonard Floyd with six and a half. He's been the pass rusher for the Buffalo Bills. He wreaked havoc on the commanders when they faced off against Washington. He's been really quick to get after the quarterback. That's something that we should also track on all up blitz years. How long does it take 
for these guys to get the sacks. And talking about fast pass rushers, maybe no one faster than Hassan Reddick with the Philadelphia Eagles. He explodes off the line. It seems like he's always using a speed move because he's undersized rather than power to get around right and left tackles. He's got five and a half sacks for the Eagles on the season. Chris Jones, who missed week one for the Chiefs, has five and a half sacks. He's also tied for seventh place. Miles Garrett. And, and Miles Garrett might be the best defensive player in the NFL right now when you take note and notice that opposing teams are having multiple tight ends, at least one, sometimes two, get a hit on him off the snap to force him to go a little wider to get after the quarterback. Uh, we saw week one and week two, he was using Euro steps. He's been a really talented pass rusher throughout his career, but it seems like he's taking his game to the next level this season with five and a half sacks. Max Crosby's been a dominant pass rusher since he was a rookie for the Vegas Raiders. He is a bulldog. It's so much fun to watch him get after the quarterback. I'll say this about Max Crosby. Even when he doesn't get sacks, he finds a way to hit the quarterback, right? Even if we've got rid of the ball already, he's going to find a way to knock your shoulder, to tap your chest, just make you know, hey, Max is coming for you. He's mad Max for the Raiders. Nick Benito with five and a half sacks for the Denver Broncos. Morgan Fox, so you've got two pass rushers for the Chargers. That's why this team has been in every game. The offense struggles at times and lets them down, but the defense has been strong. Like I said, they're 2-3, and three, but they could easily be undefeated on the season. Then you've got Micah Parsons just outside the top 10. He's got five sacks on the season. He's got a ton of QB pressures. It seems like he's always in the backfield. He had the game-changing sack uh, this past weekend against the Chargers. On one of their final on their final drive of the game, he came through on third down. Montez Sweat makes the top 15, the pass rusher for the Washington Commanders. Four and a half sacks on the season. I believe Chase Young's at two and a half sacks. So they've been really good at rough, rushing the passer. You had Casey Tuhill get a couple sacks this past weekend for the Commanders. I'm hoping that either Montez Sweat or Chase Young can break into the top 10 over the next three weeks. Next, we look at not just the sack rushers here, but also, who's getting to the quarterback, right? How is PFF grading your defensive performance? And the top three, based on pro football focus, defensive ratings have been Dexter Lawrence of the New York Giants. He's been unbelievable. 6'4 out of Clemson. When he was drafted in 2019, you knew he was going to be an impact player. And uh, I think he fell off a little bit last year. He's back to getting after the quarterback this year. Of course, you know, you can't do a list talking about pass rushers and sack leaders without mentioning Aaron Donald. He's PFF's second rate, uh, highest rated defensive player with 90.6, number 99 for the LA Rams, picking up right where he left off last year. He just keeps his body in incredible shape, and my goodness, I, I, it's like a Mack truck coming at your quarterback. Good luck trying to defend him, centers and guards around the NFL. But the number one ranked Pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus, is Jalen Carter, the rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, three guys that are honorable mention, Nick Bosa, still having an unbelievable career and doing it again for the San Francisco 49ers. Demarcus Lawrence, number uh, another honorable mention for the Cowboys. And then Miles Garrett, according to Pro Football Focus. Every week on AWOD Radio, we give out AWOD Certified Game of the Week. Every week, I guarantee 
that football fans around the country will enjoy this game. I'm talking about usually a high-scoring game, a game that comes down to the wire, uh, a really competitive matchup every single week. So it's time for AWOD Certified Game of the Week. This is AWOD Certified Game of the Week. Officially recognized as the NFL game this weekend that is certain to meet the qualifications or viewing standards set by football guys around the country. Touchdown! 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 Diving for the left pylon. He's in for the touchdown. Guaranteed to be a football guy's football game. All right, let's review the tape here. Week one, I went with the Jets against the Bills, the most watched Monday night football game in the last 10 years. Yeah, that'll do. Give me a win for that one. Chiefs at Jags. I mean, that was a rematch of a wild card matchup from last year, a playoff battle. I thought it was going to be a good one again. Uh, I'll take the L week two. All right, I missed that one. Week three, Commanders, Bills. I said, oh, the Commanders took the Broncos to overtime. We're 2-0 and uh, against the Buffalo Bills. That has to be the certified game of the week. The Bills came to play, not the Commanders. 37-3, loss for Washington. I'll take the L week three. Week four, bounced back. Dolphins against the Bills. Even though it didn't go down to the wire, it was still a really fun, high-scoring game with the Bills uh, defeating the Dolphins, giving them their first loss of the season. So I'll take the win week four. Week five, Eagles-Rams was my certified game of the week. I thought the Rams could possibly pull the upset. It was a low-scoring battle, a defensive battle, but a highly entertaining game. The Eagles came away with the win. I'll give Awad the win for that one. Week six, I said th- certified game of the week has to be the 4-1 Detroit Lions facing off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I expected the Bucs to win that game. The Lions won that game with ease, so I will take the loss there in week six. We move over to week seven, and I've already given out a few three-star games, all right? So my three-star games for this week are the Lions-Ravens, right, Five and one Lions against the four and two Ravens. Obviously, you're going to uh, look at the Sunday night game: Dolphins, Eagles. Five and one Dolphins against five and one Eagles. And then I also threw out a few other decent matchups, like Steelers, Rams should be a good one. Uh, but my my pick is in. Awad certified game of the week for week seven in the National Football League. I'm gonna go with. The Detroit Lions traveling to M&T Bank Stadium to face off against the Baltimore Ravens because this is defense meets offense. Jared Goff already over 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns on the season. Amon Ross St. Brown and David Montgomery, even though he just got hurt, have been incredible for that Lions offense. They are 3-0 on the road. The Ravens, a little bit of a struggle, all right, a little bit of a struggle offensively with Lamar you know, some rust. Odell Beckham in and out of the lineup. Mark Andrews, not nearly as good as he has been in previous seasons. But that Baltimore Ravens defense led by Roquan Smith, they get after the quarterback. I should have mentioned the Ravens in all-out blitz. AWOD certified game of the week. Guaranteeing that football fans around the country will enjoy this game is Lions at Ravens. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll go around the NFL with Nick Ashew coming up next. Welcome back. What's going on, Richmond? Hope you're having a good day. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are always open throughout the show. 
You can be the quarterback or the GM of this segment. Call AWOD, 833-804-0910. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you can hear him right here on 910 The Fan, part of BetMGM tonight. It's Nick Ashew. What's going on, Nick? AWOD, how are you, buddy? Good, man. So what are your thoughts on this Thursday night football game? Let me tell you something. It's two offenses that have actually been one of the more disappointing offenses in the NFL, especially like the Saints and Derek Carr. I'll start with that because, like, look, I, I know a lot of people like to make fun of Derek Carr. A lot of people are down on Derek Carr. I'm not a huge fan of him. But I did think that you'd get an upgrade, at least offensively, with him now in New Orleans, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. Then on the other side of things, Trevor Lawrence – I guess is playing. It looks like he's probably going to go. They're going to work him out before the game. He's really a game-time decision. Uh, even if he's out there, what type of uh, like movement are you going to get from him? He's like When you start pressuring Trevor Lawrence, it's when he's not as uh, efficient of a quarterback, which, by the way, is a lot of quarterbacks right now. But if he can't move and that knee's bothering him and you, that, that Saints pass rush, rush gets after him, I, I think it's going to make things a lot more difficult. I also don't know why the Jags would honestly risk this right now on a short week to begin with when you're talking about a knee. But overall, like if you're looking at both of these right now, this game screams under to me. The short weeks, you tend to go under anyway, have lower scoring kind of sloppy games and weird things going on. The total moved up a little bit. I think it's back up to like a 40 and a half, depending on where you're looking. Still feels like an under, even if it's around like a 39. It's just, you know, you just, you're looking at both of these teams and going, the Saints can't get the offense going consistently. I do really like Alvin Kamara in this game, though he's been a major weapon for them since he came back from that suspension. So he's probably a guy that you look at to have a big game tonight. But both these quarterbacks, it's set up for one of those games that looks pretty sloppy early on. Yeah, I have Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team, so I'm really hoping uh, he'll have a good game. Do you have any player props that you're taking? Oh, everything Alvin Kamara. I mean, that's the, you start with that. I mean, I think his receiving yards anywhere from like 25 to 27 and a half. Took the over on that. Took the over on receptions. I did rushing plus receiving yards just as a little bit of a cushion there. But, I mean, he's getting the carries. He's getting the looks since he came back in that offense. He's probably one of my first. I like Chris Olave, too, over about 62.5 receiving yards there. I like that. Uh, I think those are some of the guys that you can expect to have at least decent games. They're, they're lower numbers there. But, again, it's, to me, the one that I'm the most, I'd say, confident in, the guy that I feel like is in position to have the best game would really be both the running backs, starting with Alvin Kamara and then probably a Travis Etienne, too, maybe an anytime touchdown there. He's been getting in the end zone a ton for them, and he's going to get some carries even again that, against that Saints defense. My guy Nick Ashley with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from BetMGM tonight. Of course, you've got to follow that show if you want some big, fat winners. And, Nick, we do a fun segment on this show every Thursday. I just got, gave out AWOD's certified game of the week. We borrowed this bit from the local weather guy. Didn't steal it. We borrowed it. He gives out his verified best weather day of the week. I'm guaranteeing certified game of the week. I'm guaranteeing football fans around the country will enjoy Lions at Ravens. I mean, I listen, I don't. I don't hate that. I don't know if that's necessarily the game that I'm the most excited about. I'd probably put even, like, I'd probably have Dolphins-Eagles up there in terms of, like, enjoyment and potential for fireworks. But you can't go wrong with that game, too. I mean, the only thing you really have to be worried about here, we didn't see it from the Jags. They're a little more used to it. The London hangover, right? You come back from London, you got jet lag. Dude, jet lag sucks. Anybody that's ever had it, you know it. Even if it's three hours versus the five or six or whatever it is. Like, it takes time getting back in the routine. Teams have struggled when they've come back from London, so you obviously have that as – I mean, it's a concern, but look, this is big for the Lions. This Ravens, this Ravens offense is 
I don't know what to make of it, man. Like, they definitely look better. It's certainly more creative now than what it was last year and in the past, right? You know they certainly have more talent at wide receiver. But the drops last week were concerning. I feel like you're just not getting you're not getting the production from somebody like OBJ. And I didn't expect him to be the old OBJ, but you thought you'd get a little more than what you got from him. It there just feels like they're still kind of working the kinks out a little bit in that. There's still a lot of running the football, counting on the defense, kind of the old Ravens. But let me tell you something. The Lions win this game. It really shows that they're for real. This is a time when it's just based on narrative. And I know Dan Campbell and that team will probably be saying, you know, we don't care about narrative and what people think and blah, blah, blah. And that's cool. But after the 49ers lost last week and the Eagles lost last week, this is a chance for the Lions to show that they could be, I don't think they are, but they could at least create the narrative that maybe they're the best team in the NFC. I still like the 49ers. I think the best team in the NFL, despite what happened last week. But the Lions have a chance now to slowly chip away. Because I think most people, right, would take them more seriously if their name wasn't Detroit Lions. I mean, it's really based on reputation. They are a legit team, and this is a great statement game for the Lions in Baltimore. Yeah, no, I totally agree. My, my thing with the Ravens' offense is just they can't just go out and execute. If they're not good enough, they need these off-script plays where Lamar runs around, and the off-script plays have been drop passes recently. Uh, especially last week, and there were some overthrows and underthrows to Zay Flowers. I say that also because I had a lot of Zay Flowers props. Uh, there were some. There were some. Uh, there was at least two plays I remember where Lamar had this throw that was just either behind him, it was in front of him, but then there was nobody in front of Zay Flowers. It would have been a clearer touchdown. And it's it's little things like that. And some of it, listen, some of the timing issues are based on first year in a new offense, new players. Like this does take time to build that up. But when you talk about those off script plays and Lamar Jackson running around and moving around. It's really hard to have consistent timing with receivers and chemistry with them if you don't know what's coming and he's making those types of plays. It's a great weapon for him to have, but timing is at its best with wide receivers and quarterbacks when the footwork is set and it's picture perfect for a quarterback. And you're not getting that all the time when you're Lamar and you're throwing off your back foot and you're throwing on the run and those types of things. So I think that that's creating a little bit of a a miscommunication at times with them too. I'm not worried about the Ravens offense, but it just doesn't feel like it's clicking the way that it should. How do you think this Sunday night football game plays out? It seems like you would have chosen as Nick's certified game of the week, Dolphins at Eagles. Yeah, I love this game, man. I think it's a great bounce back spot for the Eagles too, just given what happened last week. And, you know, there's look, uh, Jalen Hurts, and again, this is another offense too, new offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson for the Eagles. I mean, they have new offensive and defensive coordinator, but I think we could argue that the offense has had more question marks. It's been more injuries, especially in the secondary for the Eagles. Uh, but this has a chance to be, I mean, just listen, this game could be a lot of fun if you love offense, right? I mean, the, the Dolphins are not a very good defensive team. They're 26 in points allowed this year, and they're not great against the pass. And it's a chance for the Eagles offense to get right, and we know the type of weapons they can throw the football to, including, you know, I mean, even DeAndre Swift out of the backfield is another opportunity there. So, this feels like a, a spot for the Eagles back at home against the Dolphins, understanding what's at stake in a standalone game on a national stage. I like the Eagles to win this game at home. I do think it's close, though. I do think it goes over the 51-and-a-half, and it should be a game that hopefully we pray, right, these standalone primetime games, some of them, man, have been ugly. So I think the biggest thing here, putting any betting aside, because it's just, it just is a fan, just enjoying this, I want to have a good game that's going to come down to the very end, and I think we got a shot for that Sunday night. Nick, great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Of course, man. Talk to you soon. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. 
I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. When I'm not spending all my time watching NFL on Sunday, college football on Saturday, and then college basketball pretty soon throughout the week, I like to kick back on my couch with a beer, watch some TV and movies on all the streaming services. I've got them all. I pay way too much. Amazon Prime, Apple Plus, Paramount Plus. I've got Peacock. Like I never thought that it'd be 2023. I'm 30 years old and I have Peacock. But you know what? That's crazy. I've got it for soccer and bear, and uh, the Premier League forces you to watch all their big games on Peacock. So it drives me crazy, and I don't watch any other shows on Peacock. But I've got the, I've got the Peacock. I've got it. Uh, so let's catch you guys up on anything you might have missed around Hollywood and entertainment here on Netflix. Netflix. The best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. Question stub. Killers of the Flower Moon. Can I watch that on Apple TV? Or do you have to go to the theater? I, I doubt that it's getting a day one release. Okay. When um, is it when does it get released in the theaters? Today. Today. It's Scorsese Day. Yeah. And I'll be there. Oh, you're going to see I'm it? going tonight. Oh, oh okay. The, oh, you yeah. just took over the whole segment. Yes, no, I want I want to know where you're going. It's Scorsese Day. I'm, I'm going to Regal. Okay. I'm a Regal head for life. I have unlimited. Where is our Regal here? Is that Short Pump? Uh, there's one in Short Pump. There's one a little bit closer on Broad. It's it's pretty crappy, but no one goes to it. <laughs> it's and like I down like, Broad a little yeah, bit towards the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like... I like having an empty theater to okay. myself, and that one usually is pretty empty. Okay. What's your What's your bit? Do you go with popcorn, snacks, a drink? What do you like? Uh, usually nothing, but I get really? uh, like a point system with the tickets uh-huh. and everything. And when I have enough points for popcorn, I'll get popcorn. But are, I'm not are, spending eight bucks. Okay, so it's it comes down to the money though. If you let's just say you were a millionaire though, what would be your go-to when you go to the theater? I would get popcorn in like an icy. A Coke, a that Coke ice. That's what I did as a kid. Yeah. And I would get all the icy flavors mixed together. Yeah. You know oh. what? People sleep on some, not all movie theaters have this, but some have have decent nachos. I've had de- decent nachos I, at some movie theaters. It's just so hit or miss. I, I don't want a messy snack while I'm watching <laughs> a movie. Like that's really? <laughs> everything like, they sell well, is if so it's like messy, greasy. I bring napkins and then I'm. I hate I'm that. I'm licking my oh, lips no, and that's then a, touching the napkin. That's a sensory nightmare for really? me. I don't hold like on, that. Hold on. No, no, not you doing it, but just like that, like sitting in a theater with like greasy hands. I hate it. Okay. I hate it. So you'll it. be going to see Killers of Flower Moon. I'll be going to see uh, 7.30. Okay. So I'm going to get out at like midnight because yeah. it's like, it's what, like three, three and a half hours, hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Plus there's going to be, you know, there's, yeah, there's with like, a movie that big and that mo- anticipated, it's going to have probably 25 to 30 minutes of yeah, trailers. Yeah, it's usually 20 is All right, the standard. So here's what I want you to do. All right. I want you to take notes during the trailer. Okay. So come back and report to me of what, what you liked and what you didn't like. Okay, I can do that. All right, what else do, do you want to bring up today on Netflix? Well, I just wanted to talk about Scorsese. Okay. Because I watched Shutter Island last night, my 10th Scorsese movie, so Killers will be 11. I'm just stoked. This is such a big day for me. Have I you love, always been a big Scorsese fan? I've been getting, I mean, like over the last like three years has mm-hmm. really been my movie hit. Okay. So in the last like year and a half, I've really been getting on Scorsese. Have you ever seen Aviator? Yes, love that one. Okay, I love that one. I made it only halfway through. I guess I need to pick it back up. You got to pick it up. It's great. It's, I love it's, The Departed. That's one of my favorites. Departed's, Second favorite, The Wolf of Wall Street, probably. What what else is up there? He uh, did Goodfe- Casino. I mean, Goodfellas. Oh man, I for, how yeah. did I forget Goodfellas, about Goodfellas? I mean, he, oh, he did Gangs in the New York. That's yep. one of my faves. King of Comedy. King that of one's Comedy. great. I've only seen King of Comedy once. Do I need to rewatch that? That one's. It, it, that's the one that the Joker is just a ripoff of. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
Raging Bull, the best boxing movie. It, Sorry, Rocky. The, I, it's, I have not seen that. It's great. I don't it have a great. file on Raging Bull. Uh, the Irishman. Yeah, that I did one, not that, like The Irishman because of the age thing, the de-age thing. I was out yeah, on Yeah, I mean, you know, it just kind of, it is what it is. But, yeah. I mean, just great stuff. And then Shutter Island last night, I finally watched another stout. He, man, he knows how to make a movie. Let me ask you a question that I think is kind of funny. All right, so The Junkies, 6 to 10 a.m., always listen to them on 910 The Fan when I'm getting ready for this show. They had a conversation yesterday. None of them knew. And I don't like this actor, but none of them even knew who Timothy Chalamet is. <laughs> <laughs> they were like going through his movies. They're like, "Yep, never seen it. Nope, never seen it." They don't, know, I, <laughs> they don't know Timmy. I'm like, I'm like, I don't like him. All right, and part of it's just because I'm jealous because every girl in their 20s or 30s is obsessed with this kid, and he's got an unbelievable jawline. <laughs> he's got a good. But talk. like, I couldn't believe that they never heard of him. Like. Dune was a huge movie, even yeah. though I didn't like we it. We hate Dune. Right? We hate Dune here. Uh, little Women, a beautiful boy. He's also been Lady in Lady Bird. Lady Bird, and he's been like in a smaller roles in a, a bunch of things. Apparently, he was in Interstellar. I didn't know that. Really? He must yeah. have been like a baby. He must have been like the small kid. Yeah. Yeah, right? He's that, was in old, that was nine years ago. He's only 27. He was 18 at the time. Oh, you, really? So, so, the interesting story, though, is did you see what ha happened with him and Tom Cruise? Did you read up on that? I saw that he was like a big fan. Like, he watched... Top Gun like 12 times. He watched Top Gun like 12 times, and then they met, I want to say, on the set of Dune 2, maybe. Um, not that he's in it. Tom Cruise is in it, but they, they, whatever, they met, and then Tom Cruise, like, really took an interest in Timothy Chalamet, and he sent him this long email basically saying, hey, look, I want you to become the next Tom Cruise. I want you to become the next great action movie star. He said, Hollywood's not going to do it for you. I'm going to give you this guy's a motorcycle coach. This guy's a uh, a pilot. This guy's good at uh, training. This guy's good at uh, combat. And he wants to turn Timothy Chalamet into the next great American actor like that. I don't that. think Timmy's got it in him. I don't I either. Don't he's see a him lover boy. I can see him. He's going to yeah. go the route of Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And you're going to see him in a bunch of rom-coms. No, he can't even be Ryan. No one can be Ryan Gosling. Oh, you're a big Ryan guy. Oh, my God, am I a big Ryan you know, guy. My hot take is I love Ryan Gosling, but I hate the movie Drive. Okay, I I can't, I can't get behind that. They don't talk in the damn movie. Okay. You don't yeah. need to talk. Well, no, you don't, I, I'm all for scripted films. That's what I like. It's silent movies for years. You hate all of them? Oh, what are you? Are you a big Buster Keaton fan? I now? watched a couple Chaplins. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Now, all right. Any other movies that we should watch uh, this weekend? Anything coming out streaming? I, I'm so focused on Killers okay. that I I'm don't even know. I'm going to check out Reptile. That's on Netflix. That was recommended to me. Okay. A thriller. Who's who's that? Who's don't in that? know a thing about it. Okay. I think some famous people do. I, I do. Yeah, I think it was... Um, I can't remember his name. I'll check out Reptile, and I'll report ba back next week. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, it's Grant and Danny. Granny coming up next from Washington, D.C.